crazy. Indianapolis 500 announced this week that they would be playing uh, racing without fans. That made yours truly very unhappy. We'll get into that here a little bit later on with Matthew Embry of uh, WSBT, our official IndyCar contributor. Uh, Standing by in the balance green room is Mo from the BS Sports Show. Going to help us break down some of the things that's going on in the world of sports. The NBA bubble, uh, we've got the PGA, we've got uh, the MLB, and wouldn't you know it, the Cubs and the Cardinals. The one series, we'll get into that definitely, has been canceled as well. We cannot catch a break, but I'll tell you what, it'll all, we'll all get through that. And then, as I mentioned, uh, Matthew Embry, WSPT South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor, is also going to be wearing the NASCAR hat, so he'll be joining us for the uh, <clears throat> the. the to the second segment, and then uh, we've got uh, uh, Adam Jividen, Super Browns fan, and he's going to be talking to, to us a little bit about uh, his Ohio State Buckeyes and the Cleveland Browns as well, and then Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, <clears throat> and SI.com uh, joins us to uh, help us break down the, this first week as we get ready to get back into uh, the NFL season. Will we have fans? Well, we certainly hope that we will. I mean, but we've been disappointed before, so we'll see. My name is Saul Marcos, El Presidente, 917 We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Hi, this is a good one, kind of groove Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. 
I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're one my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. All right, welcome back to the battle. It's time to kick things off. Joining us now is Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, how is you, sir? Oh, you know, I'm alive. <laughs> that does not sound very convincing right now. <laughs> yeah, I just <laughs> Yeah, well, I get it. I understand. Well, I understand also that your daughter is now a licensed driver. Has she taken out any pedestrians or mailboxes yet? Oh my God, dude! My my hair has gone grayer as the days have gone by since that happened. It's been uh, it's been two days, and I. Uh, <laughs> well, my goodness, yeah, I remember those days when my son got his driver's license. That's for sure. Well, let's uh, kind of start breaking things down here. You know, uh, we we can kind of talk about some of the the. the uh, I guess the outside outliners are things, if you will, but let's just kind of talk about how things are playing out as we get back into sports. And one of the, the one of the things that I think I've noticed and probably you have too, and that is golf. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a big golf fan myself, but uh, the golf ratings are, are definitely higher than what the NBA writing, uh, uh, ratings are, which one might could interpret that the one, uh, one of the one, groups that did not participate in any type of political action or political protest or whatever has the highest rating and the ones that didn't uh, have the lowest ratings. But let's talk a little bit about the return of golf. And obviously one of the biggest stories in golf right now is uh, uh, Tiger Woods making a resurgence uh, in this pandemic time. He could win another major masters and that in the form of the PGA championship. Yeah. I mean, you know, what we thought was attainable a bunch of years ago of Jack Nicholas's record, then Tiger went into that huge slump and was like, and we thought, well, this will never happen. And now it, uh, it very well could, you know, Tiger uh, has played well and, uh, you know, we saw him when, uh, you know, the masters went a year ago. And so it's, it's very possible that Tiger does surpass Jack Nicholas if he continues to play at the, uh, at the rate he's playing now, he looks uh, looks good. You know, things are going well for him. He looked good when he played with uh, Peyton Manning against uh, against Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson. Uh, you know, he's starting to look like the uh, the Tiger of old. He feels like he's got that uh, got his swing back, and things look good for Tiger. The other two Americans that we're looking at is 
Capeca. Yeah, I always mess his name up. And and Berger, what are your thoughts on those two? Uh, you know, Brooks Kepka, I think uh, yeah, people get in, yeah, get into him because he's a fiery dude. You know, he's a he's a different type of personality for golf, and I think that's one of the things that 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 uh, that people are attracted to with him. Yeah, the other one that I, I gotta say that uh, that I really like is Dustin Johnson, and, and you know, and uh, if you look at uh, at all the wives and girlfriends of golfers, I think Dustin Johnson has won the lottery. He's uh, married to Paulina Gretzky, like Gretzky's daughter. So, uh, you know, right. try not to Dustin Johnson when he plays because they always like to cut the shots of his wife. Yeah, absolutely. That's funny. So let's talk a little bit about going down to the bubble down there in the NBA uh, world and in the land of what's going on. First of all, what have you? What is your your uh, outlook and outtake of the uh, of the bubble of how it's come together? Then we'll talk about some of these teams and how we're getting uh, ready for the playoffs and, and who's going to get into that and how we're going to have a very short season with NBA to get to the NBA championship. I mean, you know, obviously it's different. Uh, being able to log in and so you can, you know, participate as a fan and see yourself on the screen behind the players, excuse me, is a cool touch. Um, You know, the setup obviously is, is not ideal to get into as a fans, but they've done their best to try to pipe in, you know, uh, uh, noise from a crowd. They've done their best to make each team who's the home team feel like the home team with uh, their logo on the floor and logos around the, uh, around the arena. It is, it's strange to look on the bench and see everybody, you know, in like five rows all split apart. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think they've tried to make the best of a really bad situation. Uh, and if you haven't logged in yet as a fan to try to be on the screen in the front row, it's a pretty cool thing you can do with, uh, with Michelob. So, uh, you know, they've, they've made the best of a bad situation. Uh, you know, it doesn't feel as empty, obviously as major league ballparks since they're, they've, you know, made it a much smaller arena, so I, I think them playing in a huge arena would have been a mistake. I think they've done the right thing by making it smaller and more intimate. Well, let's talk a little bit about the homer card, if you will. The Pacers, uh, I, I believe they've got the the Lakers this evening. Um, talk with us a little bit about the Pacers. They they started off pretty good, but <clears throat> kind of have kind of hit that that mediocre stride. Uh, so, uh, what are our thoughts of the Pacers? Or you think the Pacers? And you know, we had the conversations about Owen Depot not playing. Of course, he is playing now, uh, but I don't see him making that big of an impact. Well, when they lost to Monte Sabonis before the actual uh, eight games started, that was uh, a huge blow for the Pacers. But the Pacers so far are three and one. They lost to a, a bad Phoenix team uh, the other day, but. You know they've they've played well, but you know T.J. Warren, who's been the the big surprise. Uh, you know he scored a hundred plus points in, in three games, uh, but you know you can't rely on him for you know thirty points every game as we saw with Phoenix when he only had eighteen points. You know things kind of fell apart uh, for the Pacers down the stretch. The, it was a tie game in the fourth quarter, and then and then Phoenix. Uh, you know they they had a deeper bench and they were able to outscore the Pacers down the road. You know and that's those are the type of games where they miss a guy like DeMarcus Sabonis who, uh, who can have 15 rebounds and, and 18 points and can hit free throw shots. So, you know, losing their, probably their second best player. I, I think the Pacers have done exceptionally well at three and one, but again, you can't count on TJ Warren for 30 points every night. So, uh, you know, it'll be inter- interesting tonight. LeBron didn't play uh, the other night. 
so I would assume he'll be back tonight uh, against the Pacers. The other thing that hurts the Pacers is other than, you know, Miles Turner, they're they're not a big team uh, with the absence of Devonta uh, Sabonis. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they handle the uh, the Lakers because the Lakers do have uh, uh, Dwight Howard. They have uh, Anthony Davis. They have, uh, you know, a, a bunch of guys who can play big on the inside. And that's one thing the Pacers will struggle at with the absence of, of Sabonis. So let's talk a little bit about Nate McMillan. I mean, a lot of people think that one of the biggest uh, issues that Owen Depot has with the Pacers is with Nate McMillan. Nate McMillan has had a great regular season success in in his four years as as a head coach with the Pacers, Uh, but he could very well be on the hot, on the hot seat uh, this, this year. And uh, Ben Gutty said that he, that he had two people uh, come up to him uh, since he's been here in Florida for the NBA restart to say that Nate McMillan is in trouble. Is Nate McMillan in trouble? Yeah, I think it's very possible. You know, you've, you've been uh, out in the first round for four straight years in the playoffs. Uh, you know, I was really shocked that uh, when he was available, that the Pacers didn't bring back one of their former players and Mark Jackson to be a coach. Uh, you know, I think if Reggie Miller had any interest at all in coaching, he would probably be the first call. Uh, you know, granted, he has no experience, but we've seen guys that, uh, you know, come with no experience and, and have done pretty well. Larry Bird did it uh, coming straight to, to the bench uh, after playing. But uh, it, I think the Pacers will be wise to look at Mark Jackson if they decide to bounce Nate McMillan. You know, he's he's been an okay regular season coach. It's just, uh, you know, the Pacers want to score more points. That's something the front office has wanted for four or five years now that they want to score more points and, and they haven't been able to get it done. Uh, so, you know, it's very possible that at the end of the season, there could be a change, but because of how awkward the season has been, we've seen coaches that maybe should have been fired. You know, it, uh, the, the COVID thing probably kept Archie Miller, his job in Indiana. So mm-hmm. it could very well be possible that because of how different this type of season has been with the COVID that uh, Nate McMillan could hang on for another year. Well, he did sign a multi-year contract extension in, in uh, August of 2018 that expires after next season. Uh, he's had a 180 and 135 record, and has made the playoffs in each of those four seasons. But as you mentioned, has not been ma- managed to get out of the first round. So we'll see how the, how the Pacers are uh, doing. So let's talk a little bit about the Lakers. How strong are the Lakers? And if the Pacers manage to beat the Lakers tonight, uh, what kind of a what kind of a uh, uh, position does that put the Pacers in? Well, you know, the the Pacers, I think, are very capable of beating the Lakers in one night. The the question is, is when you get to a series, I don't think there's any team good enough to, to get four wins against the Lakers. They're too good. Yeah, they have a bad night like any other team does, but the Lakers, uh, you know, they've added depth to the bench. Uh, you know, they brought in J.R. Smith. Uh, you know, they've got, uh, uh, you know, a couple other guys that they've brought in that LeBron's familiar with. And I just, I think the Lakers are too good with uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron on the floor at the same time uh, to, uh, you know, to take down and, and to have to win four straight games against, you know, again, you know, beating the Lakers one game, I think it, it's very possible the Pacers can do that. But to take down the Lakers team for any team in the NBA right now, four games, I just, I don't see it happening. They're too good. Milwaukee Bucks, how good are they? They're pretty darn good. Yeah, I mean, best record in the NBA, best record in the East. 
Uh, they're another team that's deep. Uh, you know, one of the Pacers players, Malcolm Brogdon, uh, you know, he, he left uh, Milwaukee to sign with the Pacers, and, and, you know, goodness, having him would have made them phenomenal. But, again, I don't know that they have enough enough star power, enough scoring to take down the Lakers, uh, you know, four games. The Lakers are so good inside and out. Uh, you know, Giannis is amazing, but, uh, you know, as he goes, the Bucks, the Bucks go. And, you know, if, if LeBron is an off night, you've got Anthony Davis there who pours in 30 points and, and 20 rebounds a night. So, uh, you know, the Bucks are good, and, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see the uh, Lakers-Bucks final, which I'd sign up for and be okay with right now. But, you know, the Bucks still have to get out of the East, and, and Boston's still pretty good, and, and Toronto's still pretty darn good. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if the Bucks even make it out of the East. They should, as uh, as uh, things have gone. But uh, you know we'll see. But the Lakers-Bucks final would be pretty phenomenal. So let's move on over to the MLB. As we heard uh, yesterday, uh, the Cardinals and the Cubs series have been canceled. Uh, looks like they'll go back to uh, Detroit. I believe Detroit uh, on Tuesday uh, if they can manage to to get past all of this. The St. Louis Cardinals seem to be the one. Uh, which it started out with the Marlins, but now it seems like the St. Louis Cardinals seems to be uh, the, the one team that is really having a problem with this virus. Yeah, and if I didn't have enough reasons to hate the Cardinals already as a Cubs fan, boy, <laughs> the fact that, that they were irresponsible enough to, <clears throat> to go to a casino and test positive, <clears throat> excuse me, a bunch of guys for this, to ruin my weekend of watching the Cubs beat up on the Cardinals is extremely disappointing. I was so mad yesterday when this happened. Uh, but, you know, you know, the, it, it's going to be interesting to see what baseball is going to do because you're going to have, you know, four or five teams are going to have to make up a bunch of games that have been missed. And will MLB make them up if they're not important? Will they be close enough where they're going to have to try to find a way to make them up? So this whole thing has uh, has become a nightmare. And uh, there was talk the last couple of days from Rob Manfred uh, that some of these teams could be penalized with uh, with draft picks or things of that nature, or large fines because of the way that they've uh, impeded the MLB uh, season. Because the Cubs Cardinals game uh, was scheduled to be national nationally televised, you know, over the next two days, so that has screwed up some things for Fox and ESPN. So uh, I think there are some people in the Major League Baseball front office that are pretty pissed at the Marlins and the Cardinals at this point. Well, I tell you what, I. The Cubs uh, Cardinals series is the one series that I definitely always make sure that I watch for obvious reasons. So a little disappointing uh, as well. But I think that's the I think that's the thing. A lot of pe- teams or people just in general aren't taking this virus serious as, as they should, and and that's why we're starting to see things uh, go back in the opposite direction, and we're and we're seeing uh, that there there's no fans of the Indianapolis 500 now as well. Well, let's talk a little bit if we were just to flip a coin right now and, and start the, the Major League Baseball uh, postseason. You'd have, in the, in the wild card round anyway in the National League, you'd have the, the number one Marlins, which ironically is number one, uh, against uh, the uh, the Phillies. And then you'd have the Rockies and the Cubs, or the Rockies or the Cubs, I should say, uh, versus uh, the, the Padres or the Brewers. What are your thoughts here to start the postseason today? Well, it's hard to, to yeah, count the Marlins. The Marlins, if they've only played what six games, you know, or five games, they they're they're high up because they haven't played. So uh, you know, I I don't really I think they'll level off 
Uh, you know, Colorado's played well. Uh, obviously, the Brewers, they've played at 500. Again, it's you know, you're looking at teams right now that uh, because baseball expanded the, the playoffs that the uh, – you know, you're going to have teams in there maybe that aren't very good. The Padres are, have a good young team. Uh, you know, the, it'll be interesting to see how they handle it, uh, if they can make the playoffs come playoff time. Uh, the Brewers pitching is, is marginal at best. Uh, they've got, some, you know, hitters obviously in the lineup, but uh, pitching is not great. Uh, Phillies have been up and down. Uh, you know, they should be cover up the ball and, and not lose as many games at all, but they've uh, they've been spotty. Uh, the Cubs, you know, the bullpen is, is bad uh, again, but they've they're starting pitching. Uh, they lead the the league in, in pitchers with quality starts. You know, most of the Cubs pitchers starters have gotten into the seventh and eighth inning uh, in every game so far this year, other than uh, the day before, where uh, Cubs starter Tyler Chatwood lasted three and a half innings, giving up seven or eight runs. Uh, but you know, starting pitching is going to be big now. Can the Cubs, uh, you know? Repair that bullpen that remains to be seen, but right now I think the uh, the Cubs and the Rockies are the best that the National League has to offer. Well, I tell you what, one of the dark horses. I don't even know if you want to call uh, the Dodgers a dark dark horse, but certainly a team that you want to keep your eyes on going toward the postseason is the Dodgers. Well, I mean, when you've got a three hundred million dollar payroll, you, you shouldn't have to look You'd at them expect, as a dark right. horse. You know what I mean? Like. <clears throat> they should be much better than they are. <laughs> it's it's sad that you know we're seeing these teams with lower payrolls that are playing much better than them. And, and you know, the, again, it's an awkward situation. They haven't had time to gel because of spring training and you know in the April May June game. So uh, maybe as they play together more, they'll gel. But with the amount of money they spend on that payroll, they should be way better than they are already. And come playoff time. You know, over the last few years, the Dodgers have been the ones representing the National League. So it could very well be uh, the Dodgers doing that again. But, you know, they have I think they've had a disappointing start so far. Well, so look over at the American League. You got, if, if again, if we were to talk about uh, the wild card uh, uh, postseason starting today, you have the Twins or the A's uh, versus the Indians. You have uh, Oakland uh, uh, versus uh, the, the Tigers, the Yankees, or the Orioles. Uh, I mean, versus, I mean the Yankees versus the Orioles or the Astros. My bad. Or the White Sox versus the Astros. So what? What's a peek into the American League? Well, I mean, you know, you look at uh, the the Indians who scored the least runs in all of baseball, and it's been pitching for them. Pitching's kept them in games. Uh, they're not hitting the ball very well at all. They're not scoring runs, but pitching's kept them in it. Uh, you know, the White Sox won five or six straight to get them uh, up and going again. Uh, the Minnesota Twins, you know, they hit the most uh, home run in baseball history last year as a team uh, in a season who were still pretty good. Uh, you know, the Yankees, that when you when you spend $300 million plus on payroll, uh, you know, that's what you expect of what the Yankees have done so far. So, uh, you know, Obviously, they're a good team top to bottom. It's hard to find a weakness uh, in that baseball team. The Orioles are a little bit of a surprise, but again, that could, uh, that could level out. Uh, the A's always hang around. Uh, you know, they're always uh, right there, you know, trying to squeak into a wild card position. They're a feisty little team. Uh, you know, they've got, uh, they've got some players on there that are, that are fun to watch. Uh, right now, let's be honest, the Yankees are, are, are the class of the American League, and they should be for what they, they spent to put that baseball team together. Detroit 
honestly, is a big surprise. You look at a team that lost, what, 100-plus games last year, and, and uh, they've got a lot of young guys on that baseball team. But, uh, you know, they've been able to handle business so far, and that's what you got to do is go in and win series. And, and the Detroit Tigers, with their pitching, have been able to do that. So, uh, you know, with this shortened season, there could be some surprises like Detroit sneaking into the playoffs. So we'll, we'll see what happens. And, you know, there's a, there's, there's a group of people on social media and just, you know, people letting their voice be heard that, that these championships should not count, you know, whether it be in the MLB or the NBA, uh, because they did not play a regular season. They don't have a true champion. Um, I, I think that, that they, they had to play the, the cards that were dealt them, and, you know, it, it is what it is. So I, I'm not a fan of putting an asterisk behind it. Another big news this week, uh, the NCAA's second highest level of football won't crown a 2020 uh, uh, champion uh, as more schools announced Friday that they wouldn't take the gridiron to the gridiron this fall. So that's that's the Missouri Valley Conference, the Big Sky Conference, the Pioneer Football League, which is uh, host, uh, which has Butler within that, Butler University, all said they won't play this fall, which effectively uh, pulled the plug of the postseason play for the NCAA championship subdivision, the FCS. What are your thoughts? Is that is that the first step in what we're going to see in the NCAA with the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and, and so forth? And possibly it, it's it's such a big business and such big money for uh, for the FCS, you know, for uh, Division One football that it's going to have to get real bad, and there's going to have to be uh, a lot of backlash, I think, for them to cancel it. Yeah, you know, they've moved it to conference only games uh, so far, but when I mean, you look at the billions of dollars that college football brings in <coughs> for the university and all the TV money, it's going to be uh, it's going to be extremely hard to, for them to cancel. Is there a possibility they might or back up the start of it? I think that that's a huge possibility. Uh, you know, and I, I mean, fan-wise, what are they going to do? Uh, it's obviously you're not going to put 100,000 people in the big house in Michigan, so it's going to be interesting. But I think we're for the TV money alone, you're going to see the uh, the top five, the Power Five conferences try to get this football season in. Well, we saw that Notre Dame is going to uh, take ownership with the ACC, not ownership. They're going to play with the ACC uh, for this one season uh, as kind of a loner team to them. Uh, and and they, they did that because they knew they wouldn't be able to play much football or have a chance at a championship. Now they have a great chance at the championship. And, again, Notre Dame does whatever Notre Dame wants to do. I'm not a big fan of, oh, well, guess what? I can just leapfrog and do whatever I want. Uh, and, uh, you know, they they made the decision a long time ago. They wanted to be an independent team. But now because of the way everything is, uh, let's, let's let's change the rules for them now and let's let them play in the ACC. So I, I assume that you and Rick go head-to-head over this Notre Dame all the time, your hatred of them, huh? I don't hate Notre Dame. I love Notre Dame. I really, <laughs> really do. I had an opportunity last year to go go up there to Notre Dame Stadium for my first uh, uh, home game there and tailgate and had a great time. But I, it's just that it's not a hatred of, of them. It's just that it's it's clear that they're a very arrogant team. But, yeah, Rick and I go head to head, to head on that all the time. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if you had the opportunity to do it because of the amount of money they bring in with their NBC contract, I think I think every school will do it. They don't have to share money with anybody, the football program, because of it. Um, you know, and – and luckily, all the rest of their team sports are part of the ACC, so they were able to get in. 
um, to the ACC this year to play. You know, we're going to miss some, some good matchups they had scheduled, but, uh, uh, you know, it's going to be different for Notre Dame. You know, for every other ACC team, it'll be business as usual. For Notre Dame, it's going to be uh, somewhat different. So it'll be interesting to see when they're playing, uh, you know, power five teams. Not great. ACC is not great in football top to bottom, but, you know, they, uh, they still have some pretty darn good teams. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how Notre Dame can adjust when you're not, you know, getting some cupcakes like they normally get uh, throughout the season. Uh, you know, you're playing power five teams all, all season long. It'll be interesting to see how that uh, how they're able to adjust. Well, and they also they also control how you can watch and listen to the game. I mean, uh, for example, if you want to listen to it, like I have uh, the TuneIn app, and I can listen to any college game, football game, pro game, whatever, any team. All I've got to do is type in the team, and it usually lets me pick do I want to listen to. Uh, the the home team and the visitor team, but it doesn't really matter who Notre Dame is playing. The only the only broadcast you can listen to is the the team they're playing. You can't listen to the Notre Dame broadcast through that app. So it's just little little annoying things that that they do like that that makes it kind of um, you know. I mean, what else do I have to bitch about, uh, uh, Mo? <laughs> Oh, I got a whole list of things here. Let me pull out my list. Excuse me while I whip this out. <laughs> yeah, well, I know you're pretty happy that you, you don't have to go to Indy 500 this year. Relieved somewhat, I guess you don't have to go. And, you know, so am I. This was going to be my first year, but thank goodness I don't have to go. Oh, man, I tell you what, I I blew the proverbial gasket when that came down. I mean, because here's the thing, they had – I typically get credentials, so it's really it's not that I, I I mind buying a ticket, but it's the first time in years I ever had to buy one. And I bought tickets and bought got everything all set up, my lawn chairs, everything that I was gonna do had everything ready to go. And then uh, they said twenty five percent, and I'm like, okay, we can still get in. Actually, got the tickets in the mail, and then they say, well, we're not gonna do. So it was very, very frustrating, sir. Mo from the BS Board Show, I appreciate you joining us today. Any final words of wisdom, sir? Uh, like the Indy 500 most of the time in Indianapolis, I plan to be blacked out today. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon, and, and stay off the sidewalks. <laughs> All right. Have a good weekend. All right, you too. Bob from the BS Sports Show joins us, helping us kick things off here. He's talking about uh, things going on inside the bubble uh, with the NBA, of course, the MLB. Uh, we talked about uh, some college football as well. My name is Tom Marquisel, Presidente, 917-889-8516 is our digits. Standing by in the balance green room is Matthew Embry, WSBTFSL Fit, our official IndyCar contributor. We're going to get into this big news from IndyCar this week. I'm at a party I don't wanna be at And I don't ever wear a suit and tie yet. Wondering if I can sneak up the back Nobody's even looking me in my eyes Can you take my hand, finish my drink, say shall we dance? Hell yeah, you know I love you, did I ever tell you? You make it better like that Don't think I fit in at this party Everyone's got so much to The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force 
and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like... Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal art. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're in my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home. All right, and welcome back to the balance. Thank you, Mo, for the BS Sports Show for joining us and helping us. Uh, break down some NBA action, some pace reaction, MLB, uh, what's going on in the MLB. Uh, certainly big disappointment that the Cardinals and the Cubs series got uh, canceled uh, because of, well, I guess you could blame this one on the Cardinals. But uh, well, unfortunately, that's what's going on there. And, of course, we talked a little bit about some college uh, football. Uh, joining us now, Matthew Embry, WSBT up at South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. Uh, and, and, uh, He's also going to stick stick around with us to talk some NASCAR with us today. But, Matthew, uh, welcome uh, back to the balance. I mean, we had some really big, uh, heartbreaking news come out of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway this week. Well, like I said, I wasn't exactly surprised that we were going to have uh, a closed door. In fact, I thought that was probably going to be the ultimate uh, end be all, end all uh, a few months ago. But, uh, yeah, it's a tough situation for everyone, but uh, that's part of the drill. That's something that could happen with the situation. 
and uh, people just didn't take it seriously enough. And uh, the COVID count uh, increased to the point where uh, IU Health uh, made the complaint. And uh, let's face it, uh, without Methodist Hospital around with all the issues, we could have had a very serious situation had we tried to go with this. And uh, unfortunately, uh, no fans, but uh, realistically, this is the only uh, option that was left uh, for them to be able to run it without having to cancel the event. Well, yeah, you you certainly wouldn't want to cancel the event just because of all the TV money that's involved. The good thing about it is everybody in Indianapolis is going to be able to see uh, the race. Uh, And so I'm sure I'll have some sort of uh, tradition going on, you know, and and I probably will still listen to it on the IndyCar radio network. There's something about listening to it, uh, the race on on that network as opposed to as opposed to watching it on TV. So let's just kind of walk around uh, IndyCar right now and talk with us a little bit about, you know, as we get ready, uh, even if we're not going to be there, teams are getting ready for the, what are the, th- the steps that are taking in place uh, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Are they going to have the practices? Are they going to have the qualifications? Are they going to have those things as planned? that on Wednesday, uh, it was going to be an opening day Tuesday, but now that the fans are not there, uh, they're going to open it up on Wednesday, run on Thursday, then turn the boost up for Fast Friday, and then looks like qualifying is going to happen on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, the only question right now is uh, how large is the entry field going to be? Because right now we are at 32 entries and one short of 33. So at this point, uh, the big question is, are we going to have uh, a full field or not? Unfortunately, uh, this is the first time since 0304 that we've had this concern uh, seriously this close to the start of qualifying. But uh, I think they'll find a way to find a 33rd entry. There's still a few options still out there. And, uh, but, uh, Obviously, uh, with things going on right now, uh, you can understand why it's a little bit tight, a little lax. And, of course, also with them uh, cutting the purse by 50%, that also may make it uh, a tough sell for certain teams uh, to file an entry, even if uh, it's guaranteed to make the field. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of these stables. As, as we saw uh, here recently, also U.S. Space Force back to uh, Carpenter for Indy. Uh, so that's a very big sponsorship there. So let's just go ahead and start there with Ed Carpenter in the in, in Indianapolis. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, U.S. Space Force now joining the situation. Uh, interesting thing, uh, obviously, uh, this was created uh, recently uh, by the government. Hopefully, it's a sign that uh, we're talking about possibly getting the space shuttle program up and going again. Uh, that's what I hope it is. It's, it's a precursor or advanced form of NASA and possibly getting the space program possibly back up and going again because, obviously, the shuttle program has been shuttered for almost a decade now ever since uh, the Columbia disaster. So that would be something that would be interesting at this point, but uh, interesting that uh, – that's the choice of sponsor. Of course, that must mean a falling out possibly with the preferred freezers. So that means another sponsor that over the last two years they've lost. They also had Fuzzy Ultra Premium Vodka as a sponsor. They lost them. And now it looks like preferred freezers also gone by the wayside. So not the greatest situation for Carper, but uh, an interesting way of uh, getting the promotion. My only question, though, is black on silver. It's going to be tough to see the number 20 on that card, though, uh, when we get to qualifying on race day. 
Yeah, absolutely. I was looking at the pictures of that. You're absolutely right about that. Let's talk a little bit about a team that's really hot right now, Chip Canassi. They've got the Iceman Scott Dixon and Felix Rosenquist, uh, the, the Swede, Swedish uh, driver who's just turning it on and, and just having a great season between the two of them. Uh, Chip Canassi is on fire. Certainly so, and they have to be viewed, I think, as the favorites. Uh, even though, yes, it's been 12 years since Scott Dixon won the Indy 500, uh, you got a good challenge from him. Uh, Felix Rosenquist certainly at Texas shows that he is now a little bit more better versed on ovals than he was. And then, of course, the situation also comes into play uh, with uh, all the opportunities still out on the table uh, with uh, certainly a Marcus Erickson who showed decent uh, with their OSP. But uh, it's like I told Crash Class on Twitter this week, I think uh, it's going to be a duel between Penske and Ganassi's uh, men as far as uh, being able to win the championship and the event for the Indy 500. And uh, although, yeah, that's not a popular topic, it's just uh, you look at the teams beyond that. And even though, yes, Andretti's had their moments at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway over the years, uh, they don't look stout and even though, yes, uh, you know, a lot's been made about the U.S. Space Force with the Ed Carpenter Racing entry. Their team hasn't been stout either. So, uh, at this point, is looking as far as front runners. I think it's going to be a duel between Penske and Ganassi, at least for the 2020 Indy 500 title uh, coming up over the next couple of weeks. Team Penske, by far the biggest and highest payroll, if you will, in the biggest names uh, come out of Penske. Uh, team Penske, the stable there, as we get ready for the Indianapolis 500. Certainly so, and I mean, you got three former winners on that team, and possibly the last to offer, Elio Castro-Devis, possibly the Penske driver now that uh, Penske's Acura IMSA program has been shut down for the future. And then, uh, you know, Pagano being the defending champion, Power winning it two years ago, and Newgarn still seeking win number one. So they certainly have to be viewed as a favorite, and that's not just solely because uh, Penske happens to open the speedway now this is a good team, then you don't win 18 Indy 500s just because you're lucky. Dale Coyne Racing, are they going to be filled in the car this year? Uh, they added a third car for James Davison this week. Uh, Rick Ware Racing, the NASCAR team is supporting it, as is uh, the Bird Hollinger connection that's also been backing uh, Davison for the last couple of years. So that's the 32nd entry. Uh, beyond that, uh, we know Hildebrand's running a car, second car for driver Reinbold. That's the 31st entry. And there's possibilities for number 33. One is Dragon Speed, possibly with Ben Hanley, although they have their you know pockets full because they also are running a two-car operation for the 24 Hours of Le Mans in France next month. So personnel could be tough. And then... You look at the other possibilities. Carlin is committed to just running a single car for Max Shilton. So, you know, it's getting a little bit tight right now. And then, of course, Hooncoast would love to be there, but they are still in the process of getting an aero screen attached to their car, so it's unknown if that car will be ready to go. So that 33rd entry is going to be tough. I mean, maybe Top Gun finds something, but... Yeah, the options are getting tied and time's running low on getting uh, everything put together uh, for the Indy 500 and uh, a full field. Now, granted, it won't happen the traditionalist, but again, uh, 32 is better than no field. And uh, 
I mean, it won't change the situation at the front. Whether there's 32 or 33, it's still going to be a Penske-Ganassi battle at the front of the field. Well, rumor has it Elio Castroneves is seeking a new team for the 2021 uh, uh, IndyCar or IMSA season uh, because if, he, is he, if he's to continue racing past 2020, it will not be with Team Penske. Yeah, and I highly doubt that uh, he's going to be an Indy-only driver either because you talk about, well, what are they going to do with that Scott McLaughlin because I'm pretty sure Penske's not going to want to see him go to another team. So I'd be guessing this is the last draw for Elio. And as much as I like Elio, uh, it, I just don't see a place where he fits in right now as a full-time driver in IndyCar. I mean, that's harsh to say, but I just don't see a scenario where Elio Casadevis is able to find a full-time ride in IndyCar again. Keep in mind the guy's now in his early 40s, uh, around the same age where Tony Kanaan is. And, of course, Tony Kanaan's pulling back from full-time competition after the end of this year. So I'd be very surprised if someone were to roll the dice. Now a team may be looking for, you know, sponsorship might take a gamble on him. But the thing is, though, uh, will Elio go to a team that's not a competitive ride? That's the big question on my mind. And I have to say he probably competitive ride, and unfortunately he may not find it. Well, let's move on over to NASCAR while we've got a few more minutes here. Uh, certainly, it's a double header today for NASCAR. Two different tracks. We've got the Xfinity race coming up at noon at Road America. Talk with us about that race. Well, it's going to be a tough one, no question, uh, with you know a loaded field and uh, certainly another tough track uh, to deal with. But uh, yeah, it's going to be very competitive. It's certainly a lot of tensions being focused on that Daytona road course event. You could have a few uh, road ringers in the Xfinity race. Uh, we've been hearing uh, Porsche North America driver Earl Bamber might be one driver. And then, of course, uh, we got a few other names trying to make their way through. Of course, Chase Briscoe trying to go for a championship but not find a full-time seat for in NASCAR Cup ranks for 2021. So there's a lot of things going around right now. And it's going to be very curious to see over the next uh, few days and weeks uh, what happens uh, with some of these drivers, especially with uh, the way uh, things are shuffling around, especially in the NASCAR camp now that looks like Eric Jones has parted ways with Joe Gibbs for 2021. Let's go ahead and break down some of the drivers for today. Obviously, coming into to, uh, uh, the uh, the starting grid, we got uh, Michael Lamette, Austin Sindrick, uh, uh Burton, Haley, and Herberst, sorry about that, all round out the top five. You know, Herbst is an interesting story on that driver to get that high up on the grid. But, again, uh, you talked about road racing. Obviously, uh, Austin Sindrick's the one to watch out for, if not a late charge by A.J. Allmendinger. But, ultimately, I'd say, uh, based on his road course experience, uh, Austin Sindrick has to be viewed as the favorite today at Road America. And then also today at 4 o'clock, we've got the Firekeepers Casino 400, and that's up at Michigan International Speedway. I like that track. It's a very fast track, a lot like Indianapolis, uh, and a lot of good things and a lot of fast things can happen at that track. You can get up to good speed. I, I do also believe that's a restrictor plate race as well, so I don't know how fast we'll get up to the speeds with that, but we've got the uh, uh, Firekeepers Casino 400. What are your thoughts? Big event coming up this week uh, with that one, and certainly uh, 
obviously I'd like to be up there, but unfortunately, again, the no fan situation, but ultimately another competitive race and you've got, uh, you know, Harvick and the big names uh, from that Stuart Haas racing team and then Penske up there as well. So uh, chances are we're going to be talking about one of those uh, drivers, Harvick possibly being up there, if not for uh, maybe a Joey Logano sneaking his way in. And obviously Brad Keselowski after his win at Loudon uh, certainly has to be viewed as a factor as well. Well, let's uh, kind of get your thoughts on some of these other sports. MLB, we were talking just a little bit with Mo from the BS Sports Show. Uh, the Cardinals and the Cubs series are canceled this weekend. I know that you guys cover a lot of the Cubs up there. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, certainly, you know, it's going to be tough to see how they bounce back from, you know, this dry period. Unfortunately, uh, there was a player that for the Cards that tested positive for the COVID-19 uh, virus, and uh, it's tough that scenario but let's uh, face the facts right now you've got uh, unfortunately uh, the situation where they're not playing in a bubble like in soccer or base or basketball or hockey right now so these situations are going to happen unfortunately I mean we're talking situations where now it looks like high school sports in Indiana are going to be uh, put on the back burner potentially. We've had multiple situations. Uh, Penn Kingsman have suspended football practice. Uh, Elkhart County looks like it's going to delay the start for their sports seasons potentially. And uh, that's really going to throw a wrench into things uh, as far as getting uh, stuff going. And, of course, high school sports were start, supposed to start uh, on Carburation Day, uh, August the 21st. Yeah, I know. I've heard about the delays on high school sports. I don't follow them as much as I as I used to. But yeah, I've certainly have heard. I heard Bob Lovell talking about it earlier this week. Uh, so uh, certainly a big disappointment for not only the the uh, fans but for the players who certainly look forward every year to getting started in in their season. Let's talk a little bit about college football. We 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 talked a little bit about the Pioneer League, which holds. Uh, Butler, uh, but the Missouri Valley Conference in, in uh, Missouri Valley Conference, uh, the um, uh, uh, Sky Conference, I'm sorry, uh, and, and uh, I mean, Big Sky Conference all said that they were canceling their season for the 2020. Uh, and, and before Friday, you had the, uh, the Ivy League, the Patriot League, uh, and some of the other leagues say that they aren't going to be having football this year. Do you think this is a precursor for uh, uh, you know, uh, the uh, the Division One, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the, the ACC, and so forth? I don't think the F- FBS teams are going to pull back unless it's a very serious situation. At least Power Five, I'm pretty sure, are going to be playing football this year. Uh, FCS, I still think there's going to be some form of championship because the big, biggest dogs have uh, not pulled back as of yet, so... For now, uh, I think there's going to be football. The question is, uh, when is it going to be at this point? But I don't think it's going to be a spring sport. Uh, chances are it's going to be a fall. It just may be a few weeks uh, delayed, like it could be, uh, for instance, for Notre Dame. If you're not going until maybe mid-September at the earliest. And speaking of Notre Dame, you know, Notre Dame announced that they were going to be a part of the ACC uh, this year. And, and again, uh, this is – I guess here's my my point. 
I, I, I disagree with that. I don't think they should have been allowed to because it really does put them in a good situation for a championship. I know they've got a lot of money behind them. they got a lot of TV money behind them, a lot of viewers, that, that stuff. They could bring a lot of money to the table to the ACC. Uh, but just because uh, they uh, the way that the, the world is right now, they wouldn't really have much of a season to play. So they went with the ACC, which almost, almost guarantees them a championship. Well, I wouldn't say that right now because we still have to find a way to beat Clemson, North Carolina, Florida State. And keep in mind uh, that TV money with NBC, they lost 90% of that uh, this season. They split that evenly among all the ACC schools. So 90% of that money that they were going to have uh, is now gone. Now, granted, uh, it's a loss of money for everybody, but uh, it certainly wasn't, uh, you know, a get out of jail free or free parking situation for Notre Dame. Uh, they, it certainly came with a price tag for them as well. And uh, again, uh, still, even with that, there's still a way for a championship, but it's not going to be an easy road, especially with, even though a Clemson team has been ravaged a little bit by COVID-19, uh, it's still a, a team. I think that's still the team to beat, uh, especially the way uh, Dabo Swing could put a team together. Well, we'll certainly see what happens. What are your thoughts about the NBA in the bubble? Obviously, uh, the Pacers uh, are 3-1. and one. They've got the Lakers tonight. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about what's going on with the NBA? Well, I think if the Pacers are for real, they'll find a way to beat the Lakers tonight. Uh, I think that's one thing they need to prove. They need to beat a power team. And certainly the loss to Phoenix uh, recently uh, was not an impressive performance for them. And it's the kind of performances that get you eliminated from postseason runs. So, uh, I think I'd like to see, even though, yes, uh, the great wins against the Eastern Conference are good, uh, you want to see some of the wins, I think, against the Western Conference, because realistically, I think that is the stronger that is in the NBA right now, is in the West as opposed to the East. Yeah, and, you know, here, here's the thing, and I was talking to Mo about this. A lot of people on social media are saying, well, you know, the championships should, shouldn't count this year because of the world. We didn't have a true season. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that it just they they played the cards that they played. What are your thoughts on you know should should there be an asterisk behind the championship of this year's uh, whether it be the NBA or or uh, the NFL or or what have you the World Series? I don't see where there's a big adjustment. I don't think there should be. I mean it's unusual how things changed a little bit with that obviously, but. Deep down, that's still a very interesting scenario, and it's a tough scenario that you have to deal with, especially um, with the COVID-19 situation, creating a scenario where this was the best uh, option available. Unfortunately, it's not a popular option, but it was the only option that was left available at that point. Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, joins us today to talk with us a little bit about uh, the IndyCar and obviously no fans at the Indianapolis 500, uh, some NASCAR in, in other sports. Uh, before we let you go, Matthew, uh, any final words of wisdom uh, that you may have for us, sir? Well, obviously, a lot of stuff with the horse racing game going on as the last two real preps to determine. I think spots for the Kentucky Derby happen today and tomorrow with the Traverse Stakes and, of course, uh, the Ellis Park Derby, and uh, obviously I think Tis the Law is the favorite uh, in the Travers after his dominant win, the Belmont Stakes. Maybe a country grammar could possibly give him a run. 
And then the Ellis Park Derby, uh, Art Collector certainly is a favorite, but I think there's a couple horses, including uh, the Indiana Derby winner, Eric Sense, and the Ohio Derby winner, Dean Martini, that uh, could give him a run for the money. So even though, yeah, you have uh, odds on favorites in both events, I still think uh, they will have their work cut out for them to get the victory uh, today and tomorrow. Matthew, where can people find your work in Masterpieces, sir? M-A-T-T-E-M-B-U-R-Y. That's the way to follow me. All right, Matthew. We, we appreciate it. We'll talk with you soon. No problem. Matthew Embry, AWS, reaching up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor, helping us break down IndyCar in the no fans in the Indianapolis 500, uh, but we're still going to have the Indianapolis 500, so I guess that's better than nothing. Uh, and uh, Mo from the BS Short Sports Show joined us as well. My name is Sean Mark Lazell, President today. We'll be right back. I think we're going to have Poison Ivy Man with us, or Adam Jivet in. <laughs> going to be talking about the Ohio State Buckeyes and uh, what's going on with them and, of course, his uh, Super Brown fan as we get ready to go into the NFL this week. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got me. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home.
from a lot of reports of grading as high as Quentin Nelson did coming out of Notre Dame at guard a couple of years ago, the best center in the country in Josh Myers. Uh, really our only tackle, the only question mark on the offense is is the tackle positions. Uh, Thayer Mumford, who started last year, struggled a little bit, but he was injured for most of the season. Uh, and then we're going to have a new right tackle. So uh, even the person that's stepping in at uh, right guard is going to be Harry Davis, uh, who was a five-star first-team All-American, and he was ridiculously good. So uh, the offense will be fine. The defense will is young, will get better. They've got experience at some key positions, though. Um, but I trust in our in our new slash old defensive coordinator, Kerry Combs, who's back from the NFL. Uh, I think the defense will be fine because the offense is going to score like 50 whenever they want. Oh, I thought you were going to say something else. I'm sorry. You were talking about recruiting. And, you know, there's a, there's a rumor out there in the rumor mill. Of course, nothing's been made really official. But uh, Ohio State might be getting one Derek Davis Jr. instead of Penn State. It sounds like he, there's a battle between Ohio State and Penn State for Derek Davis Jr. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, Derek Davis Jr. is really – I mean, he, he would kind of be – he's one of our last major targets um, at, at a position of need. Uh, the, the, the kind of the three big targets on the Ohio State board would be Derek Davis Jr., uh, J.T. Tubalow, who's the number one defensive tackle. Uh, he's out of Washington State, and he is a he was a high school, really close high school friend of G. Scott Jr., a wide receiver we brought in last year. Um, and then the number one receiver in the country, uh, Ameka Agbuka, also from Washington State, and also a really good friend with G. Scott Jr. Those are kind of our three. Those are our three big targets. We've got a couple offensive line targets that we're going for. I really am excited if we can get Derek Davis Jr. because he plays that new Isaiah Simmons type role, that hybrid linebacker, uh, safety, can cover the tight end. I'd love to get him in this defense because he would be pretty phenomenal. So – what how, how what are your thoughts overall? Not just for the Ohio State, but with us being in the middle of this pandemic stuff, we're seeing other other uh, lower conferences cancel their their seasons. Uh, so how how do you think this is going to play out? Uh, obviously, um, Ohio State has a lot of fans, uh, a lot of fans, uh, and they sell out. I guess pretty much every game. They, they're a lot like Notre Dame does, and the Big House does as well. So we know you're not going to put 100,000 people in, in the big house. Is there going to be no fans, you think? How, how is – because this is such a, a high-contact point. We're st- certainly about to see what's going to happen with the NFL. With the contact of people coming together, are they going to be put in some sort of a bubble? How are they going to run this season and still be able to go um, I think I think everything that I've read, they, we don't really know. I expect a Power Five to play. A big reason I expect the Power Five to play is, frankly, there's too much money on the table, not just for networks and things like that, but for the colleges and universities. I, I mean, that's a realistically, if they don't play, revenue generated allows the the universities to fund all of their other sports, um, a lot of those scholarships for students. A lot of the upgrades that they do around campus, you know, every year that every school has construction projects going, 
uh, I expect them to do it. Now, how it happens, do they have some sort of a bubble, possibly? I know a lot of schools already have, like, athletic-only dorms, um, things like that. I know, for example, at Ohio State, you not only have athletic-only dorms, you have an athletic-only cafeteria for, for all the, the student-athletes because they have their own customized meal plans. Now you're talking about Ohio State, and not every university has the ability to do that. But what I think they will do is – and I've read this is already happening at a few other places. They're already giving um, athletes their own dorms, and if the majority of the – the, the, the students aren't going back to class anyway, that's not really a big deal. So I think they're going to have a lot more dorms available, so they'll almost be able to create a bubble, if you will, on campus anyway. Now, as far as fan goes, I don't expect any fans probably through the first at least half of the season, and then I think we could see fans come back you know, depending on what happens nationwide, I would expect maybe we start to get some fans in October, maybe November, um, if if fans come back at all. I mean, I know for me, I'd love to, to be in person, but I also have a great TV to watch it in 4K from my couch, and I, <laughs> I don't want to have to worry about anything. And I think that's where a lot of people are, too, is even if there were fans available, like I have myself, I have, you know, a a four-year-old or around a lot of other kids or older people, even like with my grandparents. So even if I could go in person, I I don't know if, if I would risk it. And at the same time, I don't think I'd want to wear a mask at a football game because I yell a lot at home anyway. (laughs) I think that's just kind of a Yeah, yeah, a shocker, right? But I, I just think that uh, That kind of just ties everything in Where I, I don't really see I don't really see a lot of fans For the Especially early part of the season You may see it Midway through If we start to get that Break, that downturn that we started to get before the cases went back up and, uh, and, and, you know, say, say what you will. I mean, I, I, I am of the opinion that cases going up and the death rate going down is still a good thing. If this is actually something like chicken box where you get it once and you're good. So, but we, who knows, we still don't even know if that's the case, but regardless, I think that's where we are is in a place of we will get new we may get fans but even then it would be very low capacity i've heard that about the chicken pox if that's the case why don't everybody just have a corona party like you're probably too young to remember this but when i was a kid when like me or my brothers or my sisters got the chicken pox and my cousins didn't have it my mom would have a uh, my mom and my aunts would have a a chicken pox party where they invite everybody over and everybody gets it. <laughs> yeah, did, did I mean, it makes sense. We didn't. I got it without it. I got it from a neighbor um, when I was like four <laughs> years old. So I didn't need to. But I mean, I've I have heard of that happening. And I yeah. and if that's the case, I mean, we'll see. Hopefully, obviously, there's we know there's also hope for 
a vaccine in the you know not too distant future as well. But I, I feel like at least for the first part of the season, I know for a fact there's not going to be any stands for any stands fans in the stands through at least the month of September. So I think that's I think that's going to be that's going to be the case. I do think there will be a season. I think at minimum the Power Five schools will all play. Um, a lot of these smaller conferences are talking about going to the spring. I don't know how that's going to work, but uh, I think people are also trying to they're, they're they're trying to jump to conclusions. But it's it's hard to say, and so we just kind of take it day by day. And with, with the information we have in front of us, I think that's where we're going to land. Right, that's where we're landing at the moment is there will probably, it looks like there's going to be football, just no fans for at least the first month. So real quickly, before we move on to the NFL, I want to talk maybe a little bit about the letter that the, that the Buckeye Athletics Department wrote in response to the Big Ten United group, which is the group that's really kind of put themselves to represent the, the, the over 1,000 conference athletes, if you will, in the Big Ten across the board, put out a statement asking for very stringent safety prevention and protocols for COVID-19, more oversight and transparency in the guidelines and testing. The response from the Ohio State Blood guys said that they appreciate the Big Ten United Group's intentions to protect the players and voice the concerns, but that does not represent their efforts and actions at their school. We believe our institution is providing the proper structure and organization for safety. The letter said, here at Ohio State, we set the standard for what college athletes should look like amid the COVID-19. What are your thoughts about that? I don't know if it sounds like, hey, you know, we're giving them about proverbial middle finger to a group that's trying to keep everybody safe. Well, I, I think it's I think it's more of they were trying to uh, – I think that what we're seeing from this Big Ten United and the Pac-12 United groups is they're trying they're, – they're saying, hey, this is what we're looking for because they're not getting that level of treatment from their universities. Um, it's, it, it is we – we're seeing it on the recruiting trail. We're seeing it in, the, in, in how much players um, that are with our program love this coaching staff and the culture that we have at Ohio State is – the fact that those worries that the other uh, the other schools have don't exist in Columbus. Um, the 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 ongoing healthcare. I mean, the the Les Wexner facility for healthcare and for all of those needs is absolutely state of the art. It's one of the best in the country. So basically, what the Ohio State players is saying, we're saying is like, look, we appreciate what you're trying to do but we're not going to throw our administration and our culture under the bus because we have what we need. And really, if this is one of those things where, you know, student athletes are looking to take essentially more control, what the, what the players are saying is we have everything that we need. We, you guys may need something, but we're not going to attach our name to something that's going to make our uh, administration and our coaching staff, look bad because like it or not and a lot of fans from other schools may disagree but that is true Ohio State is the standard for the Big Ten and we try to set the standard nationally with how we do things it's the largest athletic department in the country um, 
and a part of that comes the leadership in terms of how we're maintaining things. We have an unbelievable set of captains uh, headlined by our uh, middle linebacker, Tuff Borland. He's our the second three-time captain in Ohio State history, um, and they have a awesome player representation with even how they relate player concerns to the coaching staff. Uh, it's just, I think, I think Ryan Day, I've, I've explained it to several people. Ryan Day is the best cross between Jim Trestle and Urban Meyer possible. And as a result, he understands and he gets it. He's the father of young kids and he knows what are parents concerned about and he tries to be as upfront, honest, and alleviate those concerns as often as possible. Players are looking at this going, we're being taken care of. I'm sorry that you don't feel like you are, but we're not going to attach something to – we're not going to attach our names to something that will make that coaching staff look like they're not getting the job done. We're talking with Adam Dividend, Super Browns fan and Buckeyes fan, talking with us about the Ohio State Buckeyes. We're going to move on now to the NFL as the NFL breaks camp this week, and we get ready for the 2020 season. And a lot like what we were just talking about with college football, may not be having fans. We're certainly not going to be having a preseason. And, you know, you guys, the Browns have a new coach, Kevin Stefanski. And uh, certainly in this virtual world that we've been in, I, I heard that Kevin flew out. Uh, to Austin to be with uh, Baker Mayfield and his family to learn a little bit more about that. So there was that process. But uh, certainly, how do you think that this COVID-19 in this world that we're in now affects a new head coach like Kevin Stefanski with the Browns? I think I think it, it's obviously made things more challenging, probably, I, I assume, getting things up to speed. But if there was one kind of set of coaches that would be able to overcome it, it would be Stefanski as well as our, our GM group headlined by Andrew Barry. Both are Ivy League educated. Andrew Barry actually has a master's from Harvard in uh, technology. So they're really pushing the envelope in terms of what can they do, what should they do. And so I, as much as it's hurting him, um, because we would love to be able to have had our full, our full practice and, and everything else uh, that comes with the summer um, program, uh, he is going to make the best of it. The one thing that Stefanski has said too is, we have the athletes, especially on offense. There's no need to make this overly complicated. So I think at least for the first couple weeks, we're probably going to have a more simplified system. We're going to run the ball like freaking crazy. I mean, when you've got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield, I would expect upwards of you know. 35, 40 carries split between the two of them in the game. Try to limit the amount that you're having to push the ball uh, downfield looking for more opportunistic shots as opposed to shots just to take a shot, which was the Freddie Kitchens way of running offense. Dude, I, I'm pretty sure the dude played Madden one time and thought he could be a play caller. So I, I, sure. I, I think Stefanski is going to know how to handle this as best as he possibly can. Um, so it's not an ideal situation, but it is the situation. So uh, I think early on, 
it will we're gonna there's gonna be some rough moments where it's really obvious that you know maybe guys aren't weren't on the same page because of misunderstanding uh of 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 coverage or misunderstanding of routes or of lines and protections but i think as the season progresses especially with the extra team for the playoffs i fully expect this team to uh make the playoffs make a run at that spot i don't think they'll win the division um baltimore is too too tough again um but i expect them to be right in the middle of that playoff contention for one of those wild card bursts. Um, and frankly, if they're not, then I feel like the, the, the blame is most likely going to need to reside at the feet of Baker Mayfield. So, you know, we will see what happens um, when push comes to shove. But I expect them to start off the season a little rough, but I think a lot of teams are going to be a little rough and then, and then go from there. Do the Browns need to sign more guards? Because if you look at the roster on on the Browns' website, you'll only see Joe Ventino, Ventino and Wyatt Taylor listed as the active players. That's because of the rest of the position group that opted out of the 2020 season. Drew Forbes, Kobe Grosset, uh, Malcolm Pergadon, all of those opted out of the 2020 season amid the, the COVID-19. So do the Browns need to get themselves some guards? Yes. <laughs> I don't even think it's not even a question. Yeah. I that's the position I worry about more than anything. Um I, Sorry, Tom, I dropped my phone. Um Oh, okay. I was like, what happened? Uh, yeah, no, I that is one hundred percent the position that I I worry about. So uh the short answer is yes. The long answer is uh, yes, and they need to do it as soon as possible um, because you have four solid linemen, but the right guard position is completely open, and we have one that can fill the slot because Batonio is, you know, an, an all, all pro left guard. So I, yeah, I don't know. It's got to happen. We got to do something soon. So Austin Hooper uh, got himself in a little bit of a pickle because uh, uh, he, he kind of took a jab on a on an NFL interview uh, to uh, against uh, Jason Witten. Uh, basically, uh, he basically said that uh, Jason Witten was a raw raw guy. He wanted all the attention about him, and and he kind of is kind of a play the plays by example. But then he went he backpedaled down a little bit and said that it was just all in sarcasm. What are your thoughts on that? Could you could you say that one more time? I my wife is literally blowing up my phone at the moment. Um, let, Tom, can I call right back in? I need to make sure nothing nothing's wrong. Yeah, you can call right back in. Okay, thanks. All right, bye. Well, we know who wears the pants in that family. No, I'm just kidding. I know they have a a four year old uh, son. So we'll kind of put that on on pause here, and and we'll see if if everything's okay, and he can call back in. And if he doesn't call back in before the end of the show, I'll I'll follow up with him offline and make sure that that everything's okay. So we were just talking a little bit about this uh, sarcastic statement that uh, that uh, Austin Hooper made toward Jason Witten, and certainly you know how social media uh, gets these days, and 
how things get all bent out of shape. As we do get ready to go into the NFL, we're going to be talking with Ed Kratz here in about five minutes, a beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles at SI.com. As we break camp, and certainly talking about all the, the safety precautions that are in place. And, and this is going to be a real big test because certainly other sports have contact in them, but there's no contact like um, that of the NFL. And I think we, we have uh, Adam back with us. Adam, everything okay? Yeah, everything's fine. Somebody Good. showed up at our house asking some questions, and my wife was confused. So, but we're Dude, all good. Yeah. She didn't know if I sent him. Is a, is a police detective showing back up at your house again, man? I thought you had all that resolved. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. I'm just kidding. So I was just, uh, you know, I was just talking with you right, right when, when you had to cut off there was Austin Hooper recently uh, kind of gave a, a sarcastic, he said sarcastic jab toward Jason Witten in an NFL interview. He basically said that – He's never really been a raw, raw guy. I, I just kind of like to be, lead by example, and if people have questions, I'll answer them. I'm an open book. I don't try to hoard information. I don't like doing the whole Jason Witten deal where it's me versus everyone else in the tight end, uh, tight end room. Um, he said it was just sarcasm, but he got, a lot of, he got a lot of heat from that comment. Yeah, you know, people – Jason Witten has a lot of fans in the NFL, but – there's also a lot of people that know that Jason Witten, for big chunks of his career, was out for Jason Witten. I mean, we saw that when Des Bryant, even in the Cowboys locker room, talked about how Romo would incessantly go to Witten even if Witten wasn't open. Jason Witten was force-fed in that offense so often because Romo was his buddy, and Romo wanted to get him numbers. Uh, do I think that Witten is a good tight end? Yeah, but do I feel like that for the sake of making him happy, it probably cost the Cowboys victories? Yes, because at the time, Des Bryant was one of the best wide receivers in the league. And you're, and you're throwing to a, a tight end who has good hands but is not fast 15, 16 times a game. So he's not wrong, but... I mean, I, I think it's one of those things where Hooper's just trying to say, like, look, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my best. I'm gonna lead on the field, but I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna basically promote myself because a lot of. Hi, this is a good one, kind of groove. Populated half the 
Adam, can you hear us? Yep, I'm here. All right, you're back. All right, I appreciate that. I, this time it was on me. Uh, I, I have no <laughs> idea what happened. Grim, Gremlins uh, in the board. So go ahead and finish your, your, your comment there, sir. I did not mean to cut you off. Oh, no problem. I was just saying, you know, yeah, I mean, Witten, Witten does have a, a reputation of, of being kind of about Jason Witten. Um, Des Bryant and other receivers in the, in the Dallas Cowboys locker room accused him of that, and everybody ran to, to Witten's side because Bryant was the, Bryant was the, the quote-unquote troubled wide receiver. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I think Hooper, Hooper basically was, was – Witten was talking crap about how Hooper didn't deserve the contract that he got from the Browns. Hooper took, uh, well, frankly, kind of justified frustration from that and then also let everybody know, okay, you may not feel that I should have received this contract, but at least I don't uh, – at least I don't basically throw other members of my team under the bus like Witten has done in the past. So, you know, it's, it's, it's athletes being vocal about it's, – it's about <laughs> – Opposition. It's not anything we've ever seen before, but for some reason, and it's just because he was a Dallas Cowboy for so long, and there, you know, a lot of people love Jason Witten for reasons I kind of don't understand. Like he's he was good, <laughs> but he was not like he wasn't. You know, you're not talking, in my opinion, one of the greatest tight ends. I never watched a game and was like, dang, they won because Witten just was incredible. But yeah, that's just, I mean, that's kind of how I feel about it. I think Hooper's going to come out. He's going to have, frankly, a, a tremendous season with this offense, you know, that's going to be run by Coach Stefanski. Adam, Jim, and Anna, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, sorry about the technical difficulties. Uh, but uh, certainly look forward to having you on throughout the season and as we follow the Browns with you. Sounds good. Awesome. All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. All right, we'll see you. Adam Jividen, Super Browns fan and Buckeyes fan, talking to us a little bit about the Ohio State Buckeyes and the the Cleveland Browns as we break camp. And uh, standing by in the balance green room is Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and SI.com, our official NFL contributor. We're going to break down – What's going on in the NFL uh, when we get back right here on the Balance Radio Network? National Guard is a reserve component of the no United States Air Force and serves alongside line. active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse oh, okay. as our members and includes such reasons yeah. as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, okay. new job skills, and the pride that goes along okay. with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. 
I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, What is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, you're one of my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. show today. Thank you to Mo for being a sports show. Uh, <coughs> excuse me for joining us uh, and helping us kick things off as we talk about sports coming back and even though it's kind of uh, the shadow of this pandemic that's going on and then of course then we had Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend our official IndyCar is talking about that very disappointing news coming out of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway this week and that there will be no fans allowed in the Indianapolis 500 this year. That's never happened before. So that's crazy. It was either that or cancel, and obviously when they weren't going to cancel the Indianapolis 500. So big disappointment on that front. Uh, then helped us break down some NASCAR. Certainly we got two a doubleheader uh, races with NASCAR. We got Road America, and then we've got the Cup Series this afternoon in Michigan. Uh, and then Adam Jividen, Super Browns fan and Ohio State fan, helping us break down some stuff that's going on with Ohio State football. And as they look forward to playing their season and the conference-only schedule, uh, and we'll see what how, how that plays out as well. But and and now joining us is Ed Gratt, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NFL contributor. Ed, how are you, sir? Happy Saturday to you. Hey, happy Saturday, Tom. So I missed Adam Jibden. I'm sure he had Ohio State in the national championship game and the Browns in the yeah. Super Bowl, right? Super Bowl. That's right. Going all the way, yeah. man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what and, super and, and fans the funny do. Thing about it is he has it all mapped out and justified exactly how it's going to happen. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, so. A, that's the job of any super fan, baby. Is to you know plot out the course to the Super Bowl for your favorite team. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're getting into the NFL season. Uh, kind of craziness going on. So you've been. 
you cover the Eagles, obviously, so let's talk about them, and we'll kind of talk about some of the other teams in the NFL, how they're handling all this in this kind of new world that we are in. Uh, one, are they allowing media into the building there? Uh, talk with us just a little bit about the environment at the NovaCare Center there in Philadelphia. Well, it's uh, it's sealed off real tight. They're not letting anybody in at this point. Um, you know, I guess, and really there's no point to be there. All these teams now, including the Eagles, are all kind of in this, still in this phase one of training camp, what they're calling it, which is just conditioning. And uh, they're doing hour-long walkthroughs. At least that's what the Eagles are. I'm assuming this is kind of uh, standard practice across the league. Um, that they're doing hour-long walkthroughs, both for the offense and the defense. You know, it's interesting. You know, we talked to Zach Ertz on Friday. You know, the Eagles' uh, very talented tight end, and he said that uh, he hasn't even seen any of the defensive guys yet. I mean, they're all in the same building, uh, but at different times, uh, and they haven't gotten on the field at the same time. So that's kind of weird. You know, I wrote about the camaraderie, uh, how that's affected with, you know, uh, relationships not being able to be forged and chemistry not being able to be built because really the Eagles are working with two different teams, the offense and then the defense. Now that might change next week for them and other teams because the helmets are allowed to finally come on. And I think the teams can take the field as one team instead of, uh, you know, in units. And then the following week is when the hitting uh, when the pads is supposed to come on and the hitting is supposed to start, I know the Eagles are going to have two live uh, intra-squad scrimmages because there is no preseason games this year. Um, so that's when there might be a loosening uh, and allow reporters into the facility. And then there's still just a certain number of reporters that are allowed in to watch practice. And then afterward, you have to leave right away. You can't linger on, you know, on the campus to, talk to players or go in the locker room. Everything's going to be done by Zoom. Um, so we have no access to the players, but we should begin to start getting a little bit of access to at least watch the practices. We'll see how that goes. And so what, what are the, what is the like, so are they, are the coaches, uh, refs, are, are they all going to be required to wear masks during this, the, the games, during the practices? What's, what, what's the requirement on that? Well, uh, the helmet company, uh, shut helmet company is making helmets with, uh, you know, the, uh, the mouth guards. Um, but right now that's optional. It's up to the player. And, you know, again, we talked to Jalen Mills, uh, you know, one of the Eagles D backs, uh, earlier in the week. And he said that he's got a helmet from the company in his locker. He was going to try it out to see if he was able to breathe comfortably, but he wears one of those big pacifier mouthpieces to begin with. But, uh, Right now, there's no uh, mandate or protocol in place that says the players have to wear any type of a face guard. It's up to them. They are being provided with the option uh, to do so, and then it's up to them how, you know, their comfort level and how they feel about it. Um, But, you know, the good news on all of this is that these players across the league, they've been tested daily uh, since they've got to camp, and, and the uh, positive test rate has been very, very low compared to the, you know, I think there's over 1,200 players on a roster, or more than that, um, you know, with 90-player rosters. Uh, you know, there's over 2,000 players, and I think it's only been a, a very small percentage that have tested positive. Um, that's good news. Now, once, you know, they start playing games, we'll see how that goes. But, you know, the big news in Philly was that the head coach, Doug Peterson, tested positive for uh, I saw that, COVID. yeah. 
Yeah, the second coach only. You know, New Orleans, uh, Sean Payton tested positive, but that was way back in the offseason, you know, when this whole outbreak began. Uh, But now Peterson tested positive. So he's been away from the facility, um, and he's kind of doing everything virtually. So that's kind of a change, too, with the Eagles um, not having their head coach in the facility and kind of running the show. Uh, That job has fallen to Deuce Staley. Uh, who is their assistant head coach and running backs coach. But Doug has been kind of had a heavy hand in the virtual realm with meetings and kind of outlining what the day is going to look like, but then he cannot execute, you know, the the plan that's being handed over to Deuce Staley. So that's kind of another hurdle that the Eagles are kind of up against right now. And, uh, and Lane Johnson also has tested positive uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, their, their pro bowl right tackle. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be an issue. This is going to be this is going to be a happening every week as we go forward here. But I think Tom, I think this season, I think it's going to start on time. I really do. I think that things have been positively trending uh, toward that, uh, you know, September 10th opener with the Chiefs, and I think it's the Texans, and then the full weekend on September 13th, which is really only a month away. Uh, you know, as as you look at the calendar here, it's hard to believe, but. Uh, I think it's going to start on time, and then we're just going to have to see how things go. Players are going to have to really uh, self-quarantine. They're going to have to not do anything stupid. You know, we've seen a couple outbreaks in Major League Baseball with the Marlins first and now the Cardinals. Um, but, but players really have to kind of monitor themselves and monitor each other uh, on all 32 teams if they want to get a full 16 games in. But I think it's going to start on time, and uh, I'm cautiously optimistic that we're going to have a whole season, a, a complete season here. Yeah, and I, I hope that we do. I hope we don't run into a situation that we ran into with the MLB. And certainly my Cardinals uh, have uh, been the, the source of the latest news. And the, the Cardinals-Cubs series got canceled for this weekend. And, and there's just that issue when things start breaking out. And so you wonder if when it, once things start going, if, if how this is going to affect other teams. Because if you get whole teams shut down or if you get – you know, really out of hand, they may have to postpone the season. So hopefully that we can do that. One of the things that I, I want to talk about is two things here with this COVID. One, what happens with social media, and I'm a big fan of social media. I think you know that, and everybody knows that I'm a very big proponent of it when used in the right way. But what happened, if you could, if, I don't know if you saw this news story, Kelly Stafford, which is the wife of Matthew Stafford, Matthew Stafford tested positive and then retested again, and it was negative, and retested again, and it was negative. And so they call that something that's called a false positive. And so Kelly Stafford said her life turned into a nightmare after her husband Matthew Stafford of the Detroit Lions tested positive for coronavirus. Um, I guess that people were yelling at her in the stores. Her her, her kids or her school teachers uh, were calling and, you know, basically harassing her about her kids. Um they, they, she went on a really lengthy Instagram uh, post and, bl- and blamed the NFL for basically releasing the news of Matthew's positive test, which was ultimately proven inaccurate. How irresponsible was that of the NFL itself? Well, I think you just – I don't know if it was irresponsible. I think you just go on what you have. And the NFL shouldn't be putting out there who has tested positive. I mean, I know there's that COVID-19 active list that players land on, but you can land on that without testing positive. Like the Eagles have an additional Lane Johnson who admitted on social media that he tested positive. 
They also put a linebacker, Nathan Gary, on that list, as well as um, an offensive lineman, Jordan Milata. But neither of those players came out and said that they tested positive. The other way you can land on that list is if you were exposed uh, to somebody that had the COVID, and that is why you were on that list, just to kind of self-quarantine it to make sure that you don't spread it if you did pick it up. So uh, it, it would be irresponsible, I guess, if the NFL were to say, oh, Matt Stafford tested positive, and I think there was another quarterback, Gardner Minshew, I think, tested positive. I mean, that's really, you know, we have these HIPAA laws in place. I mean, that's really up to the player to make that decision. And I know as far as the Eagles go, uh, their PR department does not give out any information as to whether or not a player tested positive. So, uh, you know, that's all covered under HIPAA laws. I don't know how that info got out on Stafford, if it was leaked to somebody. But, you know, yeah. even if even if he had it, I mean, shame on people that – are picking on the wife and the kids and supermarkets yeah, exactly. and things like that. It's just, just terrible. I mean, Marcus Goodwin, Marquise Goodwin, the receiver for the Eagles, he's the only player that has opted out for the season. I think there were 67 players who chose to do so. Eagles only had one, and it's the receiver, Goodwin. And on social media, and even when I put it on my own Facebook account, people are ripping the guy for being, you know, very unmanly. And I, and I don't, you know, it was the, the words were a little harsher than that, but – they were picking on the guy, and, and they don't they aren't aware that you know Goodwin had three lost three children to miscarriages with his wife. He had a daughter finally back in February, and he just doesn't want anything to happen. He's opting out for family reasons, and people are getting you know these NFL players are opting out, and even the college players now. I saw a Michigan, I think it was a Michigan State offensive lineman opted out, and he was saying on social media it's going to be a long day for me. I mean, shame on people for picking on others that are making a decision that they have no idea why they're making that decision. And it could be, you know, family reasons, maybe a medical health history, maybe a parent has a compromised immune system. I mean, there's a, a hundred reasons why players uh, are choosing to opt out. And it's not for any one of us to kind of, you know, judge that player harshly for that decision. So here's something what I thought was really irresponsible on a part of an NFL player, which is kind of weird. We can find out from a list of people who tested positive, uh, but we can't find out uh, the name of a player who was extremely irresponsible, who rented out this mansion out in Beverly Hills, an Airbnb mansion, and had a party of almost 1,000 people there to honor a, an NFL player who had just recently been drafted. We don't know who that player is, and we don't know what team that is. Uh, but then there was somebody that was shot there, uh, and they, they had a big DJ and a dance thing there, uh, and they had somebody shot there. But yet we don't know who that player was because if we find out who that player is, I think they instantaneously get fired and released from whatever team that they're on. Yeah, probably right. I mean, you know, look at some of the stuff that's broken these last couple of days. You know, Darius Geist, the running back from LSU who went to the Washington Redskins uh, in the draft a couple of years ago. He, he's charged with something. The Redskins released him. Um you look at DeAndre Baker, the cornerback of the Giants, who, who went to Georgia, who was charged with, you know, the armed robberies that happened right. uh, during the offseason. I mean, you know, this stuff happens. And, and I would bet that social media being what it is, that name's going to come out, and then we'll see how it's dealt with. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's, you know, just stupid people doing stupid things is what that is. 
Exactly. Well, let's get on to some NFL talk here while we've got you for a few more minutes. We'll start back at the, at the Eagles camp there. The Eagles are, are giving uh, your veteran uh, defensive end, uh, Vinny Curry, another year uh, up to $2 million, depending on if he gets at least five sacks or more, which he did last year, uh, which was a, a good uh, re-signing of uh, uh, Vinny Curry. I think it's going to be a, a good addition or add or continued uh, player for the Eagles. Yeah, you know, he uh, had a better offer from the Cleveland Browns. You know, Adam Zivton probably is very disappointed this morning. Uh, but, you know, Vinny Curry, Vinny Curry to me is kind of, you know, he's, he's an above-average player. He was a second-round pick out of Marshall all the way back in 2012. And he grew up a huge Eagles fan. Uh, he, you know, he helped this organization win a Super Bowl. He loves this organization. Uh, he grew up in New Jersey with his walls plastered with the Eagles poster. So it's really no surprise he took money to come back to Philadelphia. He he left after the Super Bowl season, went to Tampa, uh, kind of had an up-and-down year there, although he did finish with five sacks. Um, but he came back to Philadelphia last year after the Bucks released him. So, uh, you know, the, the Browns offered him more money, but his heart is in Philadelphia. So he made the smart decision in his mind to come back. And when you look at what it means on the field, the Eagles are a little thin at that defensive end spot, in my opinion. After Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett, the experience goes downhill quick. So he brings a little bit more uh, veteran experience at that spot. He's 32 years old. And, uh, you know, it was a good signing for, for both sides, I think. Well, let's uh, just kind of walk around the league. Obviously, play the homer card here uh, with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> I got I got the COVID uh, memory loss. Uh, Frank Wright. I don't know why that that made just like what it, it was like a blank piece of paper in front of my face. Uh, Frank Wright was, has been doing Zoom uh, press conferences and uh, Zoom meetings with with the team, uh, and certainly a lot like what we've seen in Philadelphia on a big uh, uh, tight lockdown. And uh, but certainly he he's very confident in uh, what uh, Philip Rivers is going to be able to bring to the team. Uh, we we saw where um, <laughs> I got this brain fart today, and uh, uh, oh. Our, our wide receiver, uh, uh, T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, T.Y. Hilton. <laughs> Maybe I just need to not have gotten up this morning. Uh, uh, T.Y. Hilton is the only player that we know of right now that's on the opt-out list. What are your thoughts on the Indianapolis Colts, Phillip Rivers, as we get ready for the 2020 season? Yeah, uh, T.Y. Hilton, is he on the opt-out list? Yes. Mm-hmm. He, he opted out. Um, yeah. Wow, that's that's a surprise. I mean, now you're really looking at your uh, your draft pick there to uh, kind of come in and uh, mm-hmm. play even a larger role. The kid from USC, who I'm yeah. drawing, uh, uh, oh yeah, Michael Pittman. Uh, now you're putting a little bit more pressure on him. Um, but you know, listen, the Colts to me are they're going to run the football, and you know, obviously Philip Rivers probably is still able to make plays with that big arm of his and. Um, they're going to they're gonna find other receivers to fill in. You know, I mean, a, an NFL team, as we all know, it's not just the one player. It's, a, you know, you got 11 guys out there on the field at the same time. So the Colts will be fine. You know, I, if I'm you and other Colts fans, you know, I, I, I trust in Frank Reich and what he's able to kind of put together personnel-wise. Um, you know, I like the fact that they have a very strong offensive line that's going to be able to open holes for in the run game and be able to protect Rivers. Uh, so, you know, Hilton, I, it's a bit, it's a loss, but, you know, I think the, the Colts will be able to overcome that, but it does put a little more pressure on Pittman and you hope he doesn't feel that, 
you know, he's already feeling pressure to live up to his status as a second round pick. And, um, you know, rookies tend to try to do too much, trying to prove themselves. And you just hope he, you know, at least as the season goes along, kind of settles in and lets the game come to him rather than try to force things. Um, and, and, you know, I think he's got a good coaching staff that will, will help him in that regard. We'll try to get through some of these conferences, and we'll start with the NFC East. Uh, obviously, your Eagles are favored to win that, and then you've got the Cowboys, the Giants, and the team with no logo that is just named <laughs> Washington. <laughs> they don't even have a logo yet, but that's neither here nor yeah. there. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, on the on the NFC East? Yeah, the Washington football team is what they're going to be called this year. Um, right. How original, but it's huh? a, uh, Yeah, I, I know. Well, you know, I mean, I guess it makes sense. They don't want to rush a, a nickname, and I think there's some names they like, but uh, someone had the presence yeah. of mind to buy up the trademarks to all those names, so you have to negotiate something with that person that did that. Um, but, you know, they're going to take the time, and that makes sense. I mean, I I don't know what you would have called them in lieu of that. Um, but the lo- it's funny, when they put out correspondence, they still use the old letterhead with the, uh, you know, with the face of the redskin uh, on the, on the, on the head, on the letterhead. So um, <laughs> it's just, it's just like such a crazy organization, Washington. But uh, as far as the NFC East goes, I think the Eagles have a bit of an advantage. We may have talked about this in that they have Doug Peterson, who's in his fifth year, his culture is in place. His players know how he coaches for the most part. You know, you have your veterans, of course, that can impart, uh, you know, what Peterson means and does, uh, with the team to the rookies. You don't have that in the other three uh, teams. They're all new head coaches. Joe Judge is new. He's first-year coaching coming from New England and Bill Belichick's staff. But uh, Mike McCarthy in Dallas, you know, he did a, good, a very good job in Green Bay, probably should have done a better job with one of the best quarterbacks on the planet, Aaron Rodgers. Um, but he did win a Super Bowl there. But still, you have to kind of implement your culture and your coaching style in that locker room. And it, unable to do that uh, without really being on hand, having everybody in place. Same in Washington with Ron Rivera, uh, a good guy, good coach. He coached in Philadelphia for a number of years before becoming a head coach. Um, did a good job in Carolina. But again, you're behind the eight ball without having that, uh, that work with your team as a whole and uh, being able to put your culture and your stamp on things. So that's an advantage to the Eagles, at least initially, I expect, you know, as the season goes on, that will change. But uh, right now, I think the Eagles have the advantage in that department. So move on over to the AFC East. Obviously, everybody likes the New England Patriots, of course. But the Buffalo Bills certainly have a lot going for them, going into some for some momentum this year. Uh, the Jets and the Dolphins. Yeah, the, well, the Bills got Stephon Diggs, the receiver. There was some question whether mm-hmm. Tredavious White or you know, their Pro Bowl, all-pro cornerback would opt out. He gave it some thought, but he's going to come back. That that helps that back end. I think they have uh, a very good back end uh, of their defense. Sean McDermott, the head coach, is a defensive guy. So, uh, you know, I really do like the Bills in that division. The, the New England Patriots, my goodness, do they even have a roster left? They, I think they had nine guys opt out. And, um, mm-hmm. No Tom Brady, uh, Cam Newton, very eccentric uh, player. Will he fit with Bill Belichick? I, you know, that's you know, we're going to have to really watch that. I would expect, and I'm not alone, that they take a step back this year. Uh, and I think the Bills uh, are probably the favorite. The Jets, you know, they just traded Jamal Adams, their, their safety, uh, to Seattle. Um, that hurts them, their defense. Um, I think they had a big opt-out as well. Uh, they cut Brian Winters, a veteran 
offensive linemen. So I'm not sure how the Jets are going to be. And then the Dolphins, I mean, they had a good offseason. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see how Tua does if he's able to win that starting job down there uh, and then how he does as a rookie quarterback. Certainly uh, they have a chance with Tua, I think, if he can uh, develop. But, again, this offseason that we had that was crazy, you weren't able to get those OTA reps, uh, the mini camp reps, everything was kind of done you know, virtually, and you're, I don't know how that's going to affect Tua and, and that offense down there. But the, I think the Dolphins are a team that should be better, but I just don't think they're ready to take that next step to the to the top. I think I think the Bills are the best team in the AFC East. Well, we got time for one more, and we'll go with that with uh, with the uh, NFC North. Obviously, we're going to be monitoring the love affair at Green Bay, and of course, Minnesota Vikings, <laughs> the Bears, and the Lions. <laughs> See what I did there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're well done. Uh, yeah, well, uh, that's a tough division. I mean, I I think the most one of the more interesting storylines is who's going to play quarterback for the Bears. Um, is it going to be Trubisky? Is it going to be Nick Foles? Um, you know, again, we have one month until the season is supposed to open here, uh, so not a lot of time. Uh, to figure that out. So they're going to have to figure it out quickly. And I would suspect we'll know something at some point in these next couple of weeks, who's going to start. And, uh, and in green Bay, you have the question as to who's Aaron Rodgers going to throw to. I mean, they really didn't get him any weapons. And what's that dynamic going to be like between him and uh, the quarterback they drafted in the first round, Jordan love. Um, that's a question mark. And then in uh, Detroit, I think the receiver uh, Devonte Adams does he play for the Lions, Devontae Adams? I think I saw him yeah, opt out. Yes. Yeah, he signed as a free agent from Green Bay, and he opted out. So that kind of uh, puts a little dent in the offense there. They have a new defensive coordinator in Corey Unlin, who was in Philadelphia for the last few years coaching defensive backs. So we'll see how he does in his first stint as a defensive coordinator. Um, and then the Vikings, you know, just kind of, I think, steady as she goes. The running back situation a little cloudy with the uh, uh, Florida state back wanting a new contract, drawing a blank on his name as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, there's quite, there's question marks up and down in the NFC North. And, and you can say that really in any uh, division, but uh, those are just some that kind of come to mind with, with the NFC North. That, that division is going to be wide open. I think I, the bears, their defense will give them a chance. Although they have Eddie Goldman, they're, you know, their nose tackle who decided to opt out. He was like, boy, you can't block that guy. The Eagles have played the Bears a couple times the last few years, and he always mm-hmm. uh, gave them trouble in the run game. So that's a, that's a loss a beast. on defense they're going to have to overcome. Yeah, he's a beast. Yeah, so, I mean, that's going to hurt. Uh, and, you know, these are crazy times. Every division, every team has question marks. You don't know how the, uh, the COVID is going to impact players. You don't know how this crazy offseason uh, is going to impact players. What is September football going to look like? They haven't played any preseason games, although, you know, we saw in recent years a lot of the starters never played much in the preseason anyway. Um, but I think you're going to see some sloppy football early if we get this season started uh, on time. I think it's going to look pretty sloppy early, and then hopefully the season will continue uh, and it will just get better as we get into October and November. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, helping us catch up on the NFL as we uh, break camp and get ready for the 2020 uh, season. Ed, we appreciate you joining us. Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? Yeah, hit me up on Twitter at Kratzee, K-R-A-C-Z-E. You can find my links at si.com slash NFL slash Eagles if you're interested in the Eagles.
Thank you so much, sir. Have yourself a good weekend. Thank you, sir. You too. All righty. Bye-bye. Ed Gratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to have to wrap it up, put a bowl on it. My name is Tom Marquez, El Presidente. We do this thing called The Balance every Saturday morning live, 9 a.m. to 11. But if you miss us on the live and you're hit, listening to us on the on the podcast, just make sure you hit subscribe and like on whatever uh, uh, format that you're w- listening to us on, whether it be uh, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, what have you. We're out there. We can be found. Just search The Balance on Facebook. Search uh, The Balance as well. Thank you to uh, Mo from the BS Sports Show for helping us break down some sports. Matthew Embry, uh, WSPT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor, joining us and helping us talk about the devastating news out of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway this week. And Adam Jivenin, Super Browns fan, and uh, Buckeye fan, and of course, just most recently, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. My name's Tom Marquis. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here, deuce. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.